Uh, wanted to go through a couple things with you all of what Ignite has coming up. Let me get to my notes. Of course, I should have had those before I started talking about it. Um, we have a couple things coming up, guys. Uh, we are doing a free business planning for 2023. It's that time of year. You got to start putting your goals together. You got to start figuring out what you're going to be doing for 2023. Uh, those calls are going to be on November 16th. We have one that is for LOs. We have one that's for teams. So if you're a branch manager, if you're a team, uh, you're going to want to get on those calls. Uh, we're going to put the uh, link in the chat for that. So again, this is business planning. It's completely free. Uh, you don't have to be part of Ignite. Uh, that is coming up November 16th. Uh, also wanted to mention that most of you guys know that we do what is called Drive. So Drive is group coaching. Um, it's for people that do less than five deals a month. Uh, we find that Drive is so successful for getting you past that, that ceiling of five that we're going to give away a Drive call for free. So it's called Test Drive, right? We're giving this away for free. Uh, this is going to be uh, November 17th at 1 Central. We'll put that link in the chat. If you want to test out whether Drive is for you, uh, come join us November 17th at 1 Central. Uh, Kathy does such a great job of Drive. And with that being said, Kathy... Who do we have today? Well, I am really, really excited. Before we launch into Sean Parnell, um, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, in the in the spirit of what Sean and I are going to really talk about, which is, you know, how how do we make a difference in the world? And when it's all said and done, the reality is, is I think we all just have a, a deep need to be able to to help to make a difference. And and oftentimes we're faced with difficult circumstances, difficult situations. And, and within Fairway, there are a couple ways that we have an ability to make a difference in the world through AWI and through Fairway Cares. And so I'm real excited to have Sherry and Louise on. Um, it is open enrollment. And so this is the really one of the, the easiest ways for you to be able to offset that despair you sometimes feel when you read the news and you see things, people going through difficult times and you think, you know, I'm one person. How do I make a difference? I love the throwback one starfish. We, within the context of AWI and Fairway Cares, we have that ability to look at hard things and to do our part to make things a little bit easier in a couple different ways. So I'm going to start with you, Sherry. If you don't mind, share with us how Fairway Cares makes a difference. Oops, you're on mute. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Kathy. It's just such a delight to um, have an opportunity to share. And for a lot of you, if you don't know, Fairway Cares was really started from a breast cancer journey story. And I like to always highlight that Fairway is always about stories and, and, and people's experiences. And our nonprofits were created from stories. And Louise always says, find a need and fill it. And Fairway Cares is kind of that way, along with AWI. And um, so in 2016, it started with the breast cancer story, um, really started out with a place to go, but not everybody can go to that place, HBR, which is um, this beautiful 14,000 square foot home, um, an hour outside of Madison. So we created these packages and um, really worked with somebody navigating cancer at the time to help us understand what would be beneficial for somebody walking through a critical illness. But what we found was, and it still surprises me really to this day, the amount of comfort that that package gives to somebody going through a loss. So if you're navigating an illness and the comfort that you need, a lot of times people, especially in this industry, at least it seems, everyone's very stoic and they, they have this, I can get through it attitude. And a lot of times they're not even aware of maybe their need to take time to grieve, to process their illness, to really realize that they're walking through something significant. And these packages um, kind of allow them the opportunity to, to, to take that time. And, and, I, and I so appreciate that, Sherry. And we talked about it, it, you think it takes a lot, but realistically, if everybody would be willing to, to from their paycheck, give $20 a month, you think about the things that you spend mindlessly $20 on, that would allow for one extra package 
per year from every employee in here. And then when you are faced with those difficulties where you see someone, you know, they're in pain and they could use your encouragement, per permission granted to, yes, this is hard and I could use some help. People won't ask for help, but know that everyone is worthy, that people you see, there's, there's, no, there's no stigma attached to it. Spread the word within your branches that this is a way when you see something difficult that you can fill that void. You don't know what to say. That box pops up and it says everything and it's from all of us on this end, letting them know that we care and we give them permission to feel what they're feeling and we're behind them 100%. So thank you so hey, much. Kathy, Kathy, can I just mention, you mentioned $20 a month. Um, we have um, these little frogs and it is open enrollment as, as Kathy mentioned. And you do have to make your selection. It doesn't roll over to the new year. So you do have to make your selection for 2023. And for everybody who commits to that minimum of $20, as Kathy mentioned, $20 a month will equal a package. We will send you a little warmy frog. And if you're at Keep Playing, come and see us and we will have some of those there. And we just want to say thank you because we really truly can't do it without you guys. You guys allow us the opportunity to send that love, that hope, that comfort, that strength in a box. Thank you so much, Sherry. Love, love, love that. And of course, we have Louise. So, so Louise has a, a different way of making a difference, allowing all of us to make a difference. And I hope that you will join both of these ladies because both of them have a different focus to some degree, but at the end of the day, hearts of gold and just the desire to make a difference for those who maybe feel hopeless, who don't realize they're loved and cared for. And, and, and for all of us at the, at the end, if we just know we're significant, this is a way of telling people, you mean something to us, you're significant. So Louise, tell us a little bit about, about your focus there as if we didn't all know. But anyway, we wanted to be fair. <laughs> well, this is Veterans Day month. So we're considering this Veterans Month. It also is Military, Appreciate, Military Appreciation Month. And uh, we, you know, we've heard it over and over and over again that service dogs save lives. And, you know, even last week, we're up to 290 service dogs since we started. But I did some numbers. I did some quick figures. You know, we are doing math. If, uh, if 264 people would give $22 uh, on Veterans Day, we could give away a dog. If 2,000 people would actually sign up to give $22 a month, at the end of next year, we could give 35 dogs. Just by doing $11 per pay period, $22 a month, and that 22 represents, it's an old number, folks, 22 veteran suicides uh, per day, 22 per day, but the number's much higher than that. And so if you sign up, as Sherry said, and choose that to $11 every pay period, we could, if just 2,000 people did it, it could be amazing. But you know what? Uh, like Sherry, I'm not doing a frog, even though she does make me jealous with her frog gift. We're going to have new Red Friday shirts at the Keep Playing. If you come by our booth and you show us that you've signed up, you're going to get a new version. It's a long sleeve version of the Red Friday shirt. We want everybody at Keep Playing to be wearing those shirts on the Friday we're there because it is Veterans Day. Sean and I and Karen will be uh, hosting an event at 4.30 on Veterans Day, and we're also doing some dogs. So, you know, uh, Sherry said it best is, is it's a small, you know, $11 per pay period. I'm not saying that's nothing, but even if it really, if it's, if it's matters to you, give up a lunch for it or give up a dinner for it and just say, you know what, I'm going to do this to save a life. So thanks for the opportunity. And let's go, Sean. Let's go. So thanks, ladies. Really, really appreciate you so much. And what you do, what you do for us means a lot. We wish we could all do it, but the fact that we can all contribute to it and be a part of something so much bigger than ourselves, it, it, it really does propel us to be better. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So with that, um, Steve, do you have anything to add before we move on? Not when Sean's going to speak. Nope. Keep rolling. <laughs> All righty then. Very good. So I am beyond excited to introduce you to Sean Parnell. Um, Sean, beyond being amazing, and some of you may or may not have had the pleasure to hear him, you will after today. I also have the, the pleasure of being able to say he's my coach. 
and has, has, has made such a difference in my life already. And I am very excited to be able to bring some of what he's brought to me personally to all of you. Um, and so, Sean, let's go ahead and, and, and get started. First, introduce yourself to, to those who don't know you. Tell us a little bit about the context from which you speak. Uh, well, first of all, my name is Sean Parnell. Um, I served in the Army for just about seven years. Um, I was in Afghanistan um, in 2006, and we were there for 16 months in a row, 485 days. And, and during that time, you know, I was I was a leader, a young man, really, 23, 24 years old, in charge of 40 men on the Afghan-Pakistan border. And our mission was was very simple back then, um, find Osama bin Laden and close with and destroy the enemy. And as a young leader, I, I believe that that was a formative experience in my life. And I, and I look back on it and the great irony of it is we were surrounded by death and destruction every day in 16 months of, of heavy combat, hundreds of direct fire engagements, indirect fire engagements, you know, learned so many leadership lessons among that death and destruction and who would have thought that along the way yes we have lots of great weapons and sexy equipment and good training but it was the unity and love and brotherhood that we had for one another that allowed us to survive and make it through and the reality was it was serving one another the, the core component of what made us successful in afghanistan was service to one another putting someone else before yourself and you know, that stuck with me as a leader. And I came out of the military, went to grad school, got my, um, uh, got accepted into a, a clinical psychology program where I got my master's with a focus on trauma and neuropsychology. Um, and in grad school, I started writing my first book um, with absolutely no expectation that it would be successful at all. In fact, I thought it would just be, you know, a Word document that my platoon and I would talk about over reunions around a campfire, maybe with a couple of beers. Um Nobody thought it was going to be successful. In fact, at least of all me, I was I was a no-name, nothing-burger captain who was retired out of the military. Um, and Outlaw Platoon took off and became a bestseller in its first week and then was a bestseller for, I think, like 50 weeks in a row after that. And so that gave me an opportunity to give back to people in a greater way. And shortly after Outlaw Platoon came out, I met Louise and then I met Jake and uh, brought into the Fairway family back in 2012, and we've been doing good things for people ever since. And so, um, that's sort of uh, the, the the brief synopsis on on who I am. But that's that's where I'm coming from. So, Sean, what what you and I had talked about, and I would love to have you share is. There was a point in time that that something happened that kind of changed the trajectory of your life, got you to where you are. There was that pivotal moment. And I think it happens to all of us at, at some point in our lives where we're kind of drifting. We don't have a lot of focus. We're not entirely sure where we're going. And then all of a sudden, bam, something hits us and we know what we were meant to do. Can you share that with us? Yeah. Uh, th that moment for me was, was September 11th. And Back then, I was just a college kid. I think this was uh, I was a sophomore in college. I was an elementary education major, but I didn't know that that was actually what I wanted to do. Um, I knew that I wanted to give back to people and help serve my community in some way, but I didn't really know how. Um, I, I was probably an average student, a C student. Sometimes I wouldn't even go to class. It really didn't really didn't really feel like I had a purpose in life, you know, especially since like in high school, I was an athlete. I, I, I wrestled, I played baseball, I played ice hockey, and then you graduate from high school and then you go to college and then sort of everything fell apart. I wasn't an athlete anymore. I was an average student, really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, and I remember waking up and September 11th happened and, you know, as horrific as that day was, there were so many things that I witnessed in the wake of that horrific attack that inspired me to take action. And I think in the wake of that terrorist attack on our country is really when I found my why, why I, I believe God put me on this earth and that was to serve the country. Um, and the catalyst that propelled me to that, Kathy, was, was how Americans responded. You know, you saw police officers and firefighters and Americans with no training run into the, into the flames, storm up the steps, try to save people that they didn't know. And, and what really took me back was that I, I, people were risking everything for people that they didn't even know. Rather than running away and trying to save themselves, 
I watched one American after the next. Didn't matter what God they worshiped, what color their skin was. They only thing that mattered to them was helping one another. And so I joined the military after that. And by the way, that was a, that was a big deal for me. Um, I don't come from, you know, a long line of military generals in my family. Um, I was just a city boy from, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And so didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but I went from an average student with no mission, finding my why in the wake of the, that terrorist attack, and then just became laser focused. And so, I mean, everything that I did was, was, was laser focused in support of that mission. And that was to serve my country. Because I knew that in order to go to ranger school, in order to go to airborne school, in order to even get into the infantry and fight on the front lines, you have to be, you have to check all the blocks, right? It's super competitive. There's lots of people like me in the army and the military that want to join those types of units. So that meant you had to graduate at the top of your class. It meant you had to have a 3.8 grade point average or above. It meant that you had to be running like a six minute and 30 second mile for multiple miles in a row. Um, and by the way, I don't know. I don't know if I've met met a lot of you, but I'm not exactly built to be a runner. So hitting that goal for me was really, really challenging. But what I found fascinating about that, especially as I look back on it in retrospect, is none of that even registered in my mind. It didn't matter how I wasn't built to be a runner. It didn't matter that I wasn't the smartest person in the room. It didn't matter that I wasn't the strongest or fastest. The only thing that mattered was that mission, and I was not going to be deterred from it. So went from average average college kid with no mission to having a why with the mission, completely undeterred from, from the goal of joining the military, being a ranger, going to airborne school, and getting in the fight. And that's that's exactly what I did. So I really want everybody to hear the importance of the why. In that moment, when he saw what, what, what people could do when they put it, pushed themselves out of the way. They, they, they went deep. They believed in something. They literally were willing to put their life on the line, physically put their life on the line to make a difference. And if we could harness that psychology around what we do, if we could understand that in the mortgage business, we have the ability to change the trajectory of people's lives within a span of 7, 14, 21, 30 days, Going forward, nothing will be the same when they get the keys to their house. That's how impactful what we do is. And maybe we're not saving lives, but we're saving people's generations going forward from poverty, from, from fail, falling short of a dream, from accepting mediocrity. And, and everyone around them sees that. There's this, this effect that goes from them out. That's how impactful what we do is. And again, if you realize it's bigger than you, then all of a sudden you draw on this well of strength that you didn't even know existed when, when it gets hard. And Sean, you and I talked about that run of the unknown distance. I think there's some correlation between where we're at in the mortgage industry and that run of unknown distance. Can you share that with us? Yeah, um, it, it's 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 interesting, you know, because the, the military throws a lot of things at you. And while you're going through it, you don't really think about it. You just want to get through to the other end. But again, looking back in retrospect, you can understand why they did things in a certain way. And and think about the military in general, you know, only like less than half of 1% volunteers to serve. And, you know, when recruiters are going into high school and taking those 18 year old kids um, and, and doing everything they can to recruit them, they're not getting the kids that are like, Ivy League going to Princeton, or if they do happen, a recruiter does happen to get somebody like that, they convince them to go to the academies. But what's remarkable about the military is they take average kids just like me, and they make them extraordinary through this training. And it's very deliberate um, in, in its execution. And this this example that you brought up, Kathy, is is an example for me at Ranger School, where you know Ranger School is divided into three phases. It's sixty days. It's sixty days of absolute hell, where you're getting one meal a day, sleeping a couple hours a night, but it doesn't have to be given to you in succession. So they can give you five minutes here, five minutes there. Um, it gets so bad that people get so tired and they get so grumpy um, that people hallucinate. You know, and there are times where my squad would be running as fast as they could to get to an objective trip and fall and hit the ground and you fall asleep for a few seconds when you hit the ground before someone grabs you and, and picks you back up and 
continue on to the objective. Um, and in the first phase of ranger school, they call it the ranger assessment phase where they just put you through the gauntlet. Um, it's similar to Navy SEAL Hell Week, but really the point is they're trying to weed out people that don't have the mindset to make it through. And the reason why I say mindset is because there were plenty of people in ranger school to include, um, one of my buddies in the ROTC program who was an Olympic athlete type of shape. Like he put me to shame when we did physical training all the time. Um, ultimately he didn't make it through ranger school, didn't have the right mindset. And, and he would even tell you that. And so going through the ranger assessment phase, the end of that first phase of training, they put you through a road march with a hundred pounds of gear, like 90 pound rucksack, you know, your, your, all of your ammunition, your rifle and everything. And throughout that whole first phase, the ranger instructors will put out rumors amongst the ranks to try to shape perception of how long that march or run will be. And so I think for me, it was like 10 miles. So everybody started whispering in the, in the weeks building up to that march, oh, that's going to be 10 miles. It's going to be 10 miles. And so in your mind, you tell yourself, I only got to make it 10 miles and then I, then I finish. And then the march starts and you hit five miles and you're going good. You hit eight miles and you're going good. You hit 10 miles and then you keep marching. It would, it is mind blowing how many people fall out after that 10 mile mark. When you convince yourself in your mind that you're going 10 miles and not a step more, so many people fall out. Very few people make it beyond that 10 mile point. And the whole point of that exercise, I think my, my, my road march in ranger school ended up being like 19 and a half miles or something crazy. But the whole point of that exercise is to teach you, you go until the mission is complete. You don't allow expectations to shape your perception of reality. You have a mission. And the mission is to finish the march. And it doesn't matter how tough it is. It doesn't matter how tired you are. It doesn't matter how and how much pain you are. You finish the march, period, end of story. And so I think that that, like now, that has a lot of applications for certainly the market that 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 the mortgage industry, that fairway is in right now. Um, but it just teaches us something as soldiers. And it's a lesson that I took with me to Afghanistan to where we were spo- we were there. I mentioned it all the time, 485 days, 16 months. But we were only supposed to be in Afghanistan for a year. And the day before we were supposed to go home, um, I even had some men that were already home, reunited with their family. But the day before we were supposed to go home, we got extended for four more months. And that didn't just mean sitting on our butts in Afghanistan for four more months. That meant another spring offensive where men might die. And so we actually had to have the military police go to the, the these soldiers' houses, take them away from their families, put them on airplanes, and send them back to Afghanistan until mission complete. If I hadn't learned that lesson in ranger school of it doesn't matter how difficult things are, you have a task, you have a purpose, you have a mission, and every ounce of your being needs to be put in support, put into that mission, in support of that mission until mission complete. And if it wasn't for that training, I don't know how I would have reacted to that extension in Afghanistan. Um, and I don't know how we would have made it through. So, so well said. Now, and in, in, in what you and I had talked about as well, um, there was a question that actually somebody asked, I hope you could address, were you a sin- summer or winter ranger? Winter, winter. And it was horrible. It was horrible. <laughs> context of an external, right? External that impacts everything. Um, We deal with that all the time as well. But but you and I, and what I hear in that is the importance of discipline, the mental discipline, the physical discipline, the mental discipline almost being more important than the physical discipline. Um, and, And we talked some about this tendency we all have as human beings to have drift. And, and what is the framework we build to be able to identify and minimize that concept of drift when things are hard and, and you don't know the end of the mission? What, what does that look like? Yeah, um, it, it's, it's a great point. And I, I, would say, I, would, I would say this. So when you're talking about drift, uh, the first thing that jumped into my, into my mind is that we, it, we all experience it. And, and it's discipline that it allows us to, to get ourselves back on course. But when I talk with some of the people that I, that I coach, like try to, to work with them and don't even allow yourself to have that dialogue internally in your mind. 
you know, use an example of like waking up and going to the gym in the morning. Nobody wants to wake up early in the morning and go to the gym if that's your thing. I mean, you always, your body wants comfort. Your body wants you to constantly be in a steady state of homeostasis where you're not challenged whatsoever. And your brain will tell you a hundred different times, like, oh, you can just sleep in. You can hit snooze. You don't need to go to the gym today. You can just go tomorrow. Don't allow that dialogue. Don't allow your brain, your mind to even have that dialogue with yourself to talk you out of something. So what I try to do is I just get up and do it because that's what the mission that's what the mission dictates. And, and so when I feel myself drifting, I try to compartmentalize those voices in my head that would, that would, that sort of allow the drift to happen. And I don't even allow the internal dialogue and I just do what I thought, what I set out to do in the first place. Um, and, and don't get me wrong. Like there are, there, are, there are times where you need to have a break, like in, in Afghanistan. Like again, I, I hearken back to my experience in Afghanistan, even though I was only 23 at the time. That was a formative leadership experience in my life, and I sort of draw from those experiences even to this day. Um, but like the operational tempo got so tough and so difficult—24 hours a day, seven days a week, people getting hurt and dying all around you all the time. If we operated at that, that tempo all the time, people would have broken. So as leaders, part of our responsibility and our job is to implement safety stand downs. And really what that was is like a mental health day where the only thing you had to do was focus on yourself and self-care. So part of that is, is a way to get ourselves back on track as well, to try to fight back against that drift as well, where, where you're either meditating, you're journaling, you're going to the gym, you're going for a walk, you're doing whatever it is that you need to do to get yourself in the right headspace to accomplish the mission. And, and we talked a little bit about, um, I, I use a mental picture for drift just for myself. And, and I think about a boulder and I think about a boulder rolling down, uh, rolling down a hill. And, and drift for me is catching that boulder before it gets to the bottom, because it's a lot easier to catch it partway down the hill and get back on track and push it up rather than being at the bottom with the boulder on top of you and figuring out how the heck you get the leverage to start back up that mountain. Um, and so what I hear and, and, and what I love is that everyone needs to have a framework for their day. Your framework needs to be around certain things that you do that are no matter what, because that's, I think, where it sets your mind into that. These are things that are non-negotiable to me, right? That compartmentalization, non-negotiable. Um, Steve brought up the five-second rule. Get up in the morning, five, four, three, two, one. There is no going back. This is the mission. This is what it takes <clears throat> to accomplish the mission. And there's nothing more to be, to, to be discussed around that. And caveat, when you do get to that point where we just need a few minutes of rest, checking back in with ourselves, spiritually, physically, whatever the case might be, identify that. Because at some point in time, that rock does become heavier than need be if your body is weary. And there's a it's a fine line of being able to identify when you've hit that weary versus when you've given up. We want you to deal with it when you're weary before you get to the point where you give up. And, and, and I'll tell you, there were times in Afghanistan and certainly after that in life where I felt like giving up. It's not like I'm, I'm immune to it. And, and life... The, I don't know a lot about life. I, I, you know, I feel like we search for meaning every single day. But the one thing that I know is that none of us are promised easy. Life is tough and challenging in so many different ways. And so approaching that with the right mindset is critically important for success. And I mean, there were times where, you know, in Afghanistan, I had this guy, this soldier, his name was Phil Baldwin. He was in the military for a lot longer than I was. He was a lot smarter than I was. He was the guy that I went to for everything. I was sort of the why guy. He was my how guy. You know, I would set the vision and the plan and he would be the one to execute it. And I remember, you know, one of the last memories I have of him in combat was him getting shot. Like he got shot in the back. Last thing he said to me was, sir, I can't feel my legs. And he got whisked away. How do you deal with something like that? As, as a person, how, as a leader, how do you deal with having one of the most valued members of your team be taken away from you on a moment's notice? And not only that, you don't even know if he's going to survive. In fact, I didn't even see him again until after I got back from Afghanistan almost a year later and at a funeral for one of my other soldiers. So I knew that after having worked with him, that the mission had to come first. He knew that, I knew that, and he would have wanted me to fight that way. And so we, 
none of us are promised easy. Life is going to throw us curveballs all the time, and we just have to shape shape our mindset to accommodate for that. And when life does throw you those curveballs and things do get difficult, if you have the right mindset, you have the right mission, you have the right plan, you can weather the storm. And I think maybe part of, of weathering the storm also has to do with the people around you. So so can you talk a little bit about that? What does it mean to build kind of this tribe around you that when when the going gets tough, you know they're going to encourage you to take that extra step. When you fall and you fall asleep and you go, why, why am I getting up again? They're the ones who remind you. Yeah, that's such a great point is, is – investing in other people like one leadership is is always about and i mean always about empowering others and imbuing them with a sense of mission task purpose right everybody on your team whether you're in the military or in the mortgage business everybody on your team should know the mission their task their purpose the job of the person above you and the job of the person beneath you and the reason for that is obviously in a very practical sense in in combat is if somebody gets killed somebody else needs to step into that role and your your team needs to be a smoothly oiled, oiled machine so it's about having all of those organizational leadership things in order and, and focusing on that, yes, but it's also about investing in your people and building in a sense, building a sense of trust among your team. And in in the military's case, in my case, it's getting to know the person beyond their their uniform. Are they married? Do they have kids? What sports do they like? Did they play sports? Like what matters to them? What drives them? It's your job as a leader to figure out those things and get to know the the whole person, not just the person person in the mortgage industry or the person in uniform. And so I was a very, very small part of a platoon and a team that that was exceptional. And I just gave them the time and space to do what they needed to do to be successful. And I'm a big believer in decentralized leadership and the idea that like it's, it was always my job in, in the army to say, okay, like here, our, our, our platoon is here we're at A and we need to go to B. And it's your job, squad leaders, to get to, I don't need to hear about every step along the way between A and B. It's your job to handle the implied task. What do you have to do to get your unit from A to B? I don't need to hear about everything in between unless it's, it's a critical piece of information or a life is on the line. Um, but it was about empowering people to do their job, decentralizing leadership, building a sense of trust so that when when the rubber meets the road, people knew exactly what their job was. And it's it's just it's all it's all so good, Sean. I don't I don't even I don't even know what to say. But but all of those nuggets, making sure that you have the right people around you. If you can't trust the people, there's maybe there's a reason. Do you have the right people? Is it the highest quality? Does everyone understand the mission? Are you all running in the same direction with the same goal in mind? All of those things are are just so so very very impactful. And at the end of it, does everyone on your team do you know them well enough to remind them of their why when they start to drift? Hey, remember about how important it was to put your kiddo through college. We have the ability to do that as a team. How do we go on and get another mortgage? You are not doing it alone. Your team is so important right now that everyone's running with you is, is very, very impactful always, but especially in a time like this where we, where we need every person on the team focused on the same thing, getting those loans through the door, having the impact on people and helping us to get to the next step. Um, just some, some amazing nuggets. Um, and, 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 and so much of that, Kathy, I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I, I but so much of that, you know, people think of, of, of the military and, and Rangers and doing airborne school, all the cool, sexy training side of things. But the reality is, is that so much of officer training, um, is planning, 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 um, almost exclusively, I'd say 90% of what we do is quarterly planning, right? And we'll sometimes we'll plan out the two years of what a, what our units are responsible for to going all the way down to weekly goals for physical training for squads. That way as a leader, one everyone has a clearly defined role and everyone has a task and purpose and everyone knows the mission. It even got to a point in our unit where we would make some of the younger soldiers new to the unit carry around that mission card. So if a leader spot check them, hey, what's your mission today? They knew what it was. And as a leader, it gives you the ability to sort of trust but verify, look at how your unit is performing, analyze roles, make sure that people 
understand the mission and are fulfilling their roles because as a leader, you have to be able to flex on the move, right? And the mortgage industry is really no different. You know, how efficient are our teams operating? Does everybody have a clearly defined role? What's the mission? And as a leader, as a branch manager, to help you evaluate your team uh, and be an elite performer. And, and again, you're just a small part of that, but putting those systems in places, putting those systems in place is, is critically important for any team. I, I love that. I, I would I would view that as a challenge that I would throw out to everyone on this call. If you ask somebody on your team to pull out their mission card and tell you what the mission was, would they know? And we're coming toward the end of the year. That could be a really great exercise to sit down with you with your team and say, "What is our mission? Why do we come to work every day? What? what why? Why do we do what we're doing?" Um, that's that's such a great point. And 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 to just hear if people get out of the the day-to-day minutiae part, right? And and, and it, every day is a bit mundane. But if that is that mundane leads to something much greater, the mission, then all of a sudden it takes on a joy in and of itself. So just some some really great nuggets. Um, Jake, do you have any questions? Um, how many people is Sean teaching leadership lessons to? I mean, as far as coaching, because you could take a group, Sean, and what you're sharing is, I mean, how many groups, Kathy, would benefit from this? Um, you know, that, that'd be a question. And then I also have one other question for you, Sean. And I, this may be a surprising question, um, but you, you, you know, you're a wonderful person. We become friends and my sister, I mean, everybody adores you, Louise, and the whole team does. And the more we get to know you, the better we, we care about you. But when you went through this political thing, you know, several, you know, year and a half or so ago, and all of a sudden the the social media noise became <laughs> ridiculous. On a scale of one to 10, 10, you know, Afghanistan is a 10. There's nothing that compares to that. And Wheezy says it all the time, you know, we're not in Afghanistan, right? And, and we're not in Afghanistan right now. But how, how would you rate some of the venom sent towards you that you had to just kind of like turn the other cheek and keep going on a scale of one to 10? How would you grade that? How, how, I would have, I would have. I would have rather been, I would have rather been back in Afghanistan. What, what, you know, that, what I learned there, Jake, is that, boy, there's just so many lessons. And, and here's the thing about darkness is that it can be a great teacher and a great mentor. And that the, when it's always darkest before the dawn, but I know there's going to be a dawn. I know there's going to be a tomorrow where I can rise to the challenges and, and face them head on. Um, but what I learned from that is how to rebuild yourself up from scratch. And um, I mean, when I went through like, if, and, and gosh, you know, I mean, everybody probably knows it's kind of awkward because everybody knows my personal business now, but like, you know, at that, when I was in that custody trial, it was basically like the OJ Simpson trial of custody trials, you know, and divorce and custody issues are painful enough on children, let alone having every single media outlet in the country there. I mean, seriously, they, they were, they, the courtroom is filled with reporters and I went outside, there'd be a hundred cameras. It was the craziest thing I'd ever, I'd ever been a part of. And I feel like I lost control of it in many ways. Um, but Jake, it, it was, I had people, I probably had in the first day of that trial, hundreds, hundreds, if not thousands of people attacking me and my family every single day, every single day. And what I had to focus on is, is really, is really no different than the, the muscle memory of being a leader in combat is that, okay, I'm going to take all of this noise and I'm going to put it over here. And I'm going to put my focus where it matters most. And that's on my family, my children, uh, my team, the people that I love and I care about. And in those, in those moments of challenge, I, it, you know, our tendency when we're attacked is to pull back and draw into ourselves. But the reality is that's probably one of the worst things that we can do. We have to actually come out of our shell and pour ourselves into other people. And what I found throughout life and through all these enormous challenges that we all face is that you can never go wrong investing and in doing good for others. That's the core of everything that we're called to do. A pathway, the pathway to a meaningful life is service to others. And if, um, Sean, so as your work mother <laughs> and as someone who kind of walked this and Jake, I'm just going to say, when you asked that question, I knew what his answer was going to be 
because in Afghanistan, the enemy was identified. Sean knew that he had people, he knew who were his friends, his combat buddies, he knew where they were, he knew who the enemy was. And during that time of the social media craze, Sean, would you agree, and, and I know Jake understands this, you didn't really know who to trust. Oh, yeah, the, that, that's so true. And and here's the, I, I look back on this political stuff, and as horrible as it was, and in so many ways, especially this last run, my whole message was like, I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat. I'm running for this country, and I love this country. That's why I'm doing this. I don't care what political party you're from. You can join me in that. And we built an incredible movement. You'd be so surprised how many people, regardless of political affiliation, just want that. The problem for me was is that that just meant Republicans and Democrat establishments <laughs> attacked me relentlessly. And you know, that there's a phrase in politics, you get all these politicians all the time in either party say, oh, yeah, 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 I have your back. I'll have your back. And then what I learned is like, yeah, I'll know you'll have my back when I feel the knife. <laughs> so what I, I I focused on the people that I knew I could trust. And obviously, Louise, you were one of those people. Sherry, you were one of those people. Jake, the people of this company, my family, my children. Um, and I really did everything I could to pour into them, you know, and in the wake of that was just didn't, you know, you got to take a, take a knee and drink water. Right. And, and, and Kathy's, we talk about drifting, right. You drift a little bit when trying times happen, right. When you, you know, everyone has a plan until they get hit until they get punched in the face as Mike Tyson says. So it's okay sometimes to take a knee and drink water, recalibrate, um, consolidate, reorganize, but then get back up and get back in the fight. And sometimes that's, that's challenging, but um, really Jake learning how to rebuild and, and get up when you feel like you've been totally bodied was the lesson that I learned there. And it just comes back to the same old thing. Just never quit. So uh, the silver lining, Sean, cause that was a, a season, right? And that yes. season isn't here today. So as you go through and, you know, fairways had an interesting season also, it's been an interesting year. We've asked, many branches to leave because of arrogance. And I'm going to talk about that next week, face-to-face -face in front of people. We've made choices that then we hear the noise and the other side is a totally different story. And then what are we supposed to say? So the point is you say nothing and you kind of just accept it and just try to keep going forward. Um, so talk to us about the season and what it's like now because it's past. And yeah. At the other side of it, what does it look like for you? Yeah, I, I so I, I'll tell you, yeah, and, and Louise, this is actually a lesson that, that I learned from you a couple of years ago is that everything in life, there's a season for everything in life. Sometimes things are super busy, sometimes not. Sometimes things are super tough, sometimes not. And what I, what I tell my kids is that you, know, you look at life as if it's a book, right? There's a beginning, there's a middle, and there's an end. Some chapters in that book are going to be great. Some chapters, probably not so much, but it's your mission to keep turning the pages vigorously. Um, you don't quit. And so, yeah, in many ways that like that season for me is over, but I, I'm not going to lie to you. Like I'm a competitor. It's hard to watch things from the sidelines. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, um, but you're engaged so, now. You but I'm engaged. Yeah, I'm engaged. I've got, uh, yeah, like I, I'm, I'm still, I'm still fighting to protect my family. Um, that will never stop. And I'm, you know, I'm Jennifer, engaged. Jennifer's going to talk you into doing loans. You realize that. Right? I hope, <laughs> I hope, hopefully you understand that, right? I mean, yeah. I, yeah. 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 Little Jennifer, she's, you watch out big boy. She, she, well, <laughs> well, well, I, I've spent enough time around Louise to know what right looks like. So, uh, you know, in this, in this industry and like, you can't, you know, you learn through osmosis, if nothing else, by, by being around Louise, because she's a mover and a shaker, that's for sure. Um, but, you know, Jake, yeah, it's it's everything in life is a season. And and this is something that that I work with. So, so your question, you asked how many people, I think I've got eight people right now that I'm working with. And um, by and large, I'm, I'm working with like branch managers, um, like, but, you know, I'm open to working, I'm developing a, a class and a curriculum for 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 2023 and hope to roll that out and 
Um, the reality is I'm just trying to, to help, to help our, the people within this company reach their full potential. And it's, that might sound cliche, but there, there, are, there are things that we can do in our day-to-day lives that make us better, that make us more efficient. And, and I, I take an all-in approach with a lot of this stuff. I look at mind, body, soul, spirit, whatever, look at family and how that impacts work. Um, um, and it's been a, an, an incredibly rewarding thing so far. And it just, just working with branch managers through this, this crazy, crazy market. Well, we sure appreciate this call, Sean. I mean, you maybe didn't expect that question, but it's been part of your journey. And like you said, what we go through, we can help other people go through what they go through. And life, life does not discriminate. Time's the boss, not Steve, not Sean, not Wheezy, not Sherry. Everybody, you know, you can turn a corner and life can change in a minute. Um, So we really appreciate you and appreciate Kathy's questioning and, uh, I agree, Austin. This is a great call. I wish we could take it. I wish it was longer. You know, uh, I want to make sure that we're clear too. So Sean not, is still doing AWI stuff, but he is he is our newest coach here at Ignite. How many people do you have right now, Sean? Um, I think I've got eight people right now. We we are so grateful. Like, I mean, guys, this is a really really exciting stuff. We have big plans for Sean. So in in twenty twenty three, we're gonna have some some group type stuff and and some leadership stuff and and the the sky's the limit on on what he can teach us. And and I am so grateful for you doing this call and and becoming part of Ignite and AWI. So um, thank you, thank you, thank you. I do want to make an announcement to. Um, AWI and Fairway Cares. So they mentioned that open enrollment's coming up, right? And so you can actually donate. So Ignite is going to match up to 10,000 each for Fairway Cares and for AWI, any enrollment that you guys do and, and donate to them. So, so 10,000 each from, from Ignite here uh, up to up to 10,000. So we, we oh, really believe Austin, in that. thank you. How generous. Thank you so much. We, um, we, we love you guys and, and, uh, and support what you guys do. So, yep. Um, all right. Well, uh, let's roll to Pistol. Pistol, what do you got for us today, man? Well, this has been a fabulous call, and I can say that Sherry with Fairway Cares and his team has done it, is doing an outstanding job, and I've personally been rewarded by their efforts. And of course, Louise and uh, the dogs and everything giving away, and they're talking about donations, and I do a post every week, and it's interesting, if you happen to read it, the title is Fairway the most giving company. So you may want to read that if you have time. And then uh, they, they're doing a great job. And then my buddy Sean's on here and it gets me excited. I wore the AWI shirt <laughs> for him and Sean and I go back a long way uh, and uh, talk about a lot of things over the can, years. Can I just, Pistol, can I just say, uh, you know, Jake, you asked about like all the trials and tribulations of of this political crap. Um, but Pistol, you were there for me every single step of the way. Like I would get emails from Pistol at like nine o'clock at night saying, "Hey, just checking in on you and you and your family. Don't give up. Don't quit. Keep fighting for those kids." And that means so much to me and my family. So thank you, Pistol. You, I love you, man. Well, it's the feelings mutual, Sean. And Sean has talked talked about a lot of things, but. He said, put someone before yourself, you know, and do that. And that's, that's what you do. And I've got, I changed it, Ray, a little this time. I got a Bart Starr quote. But I think it, it works to what Sean has been saying, uh, talking about Ranger School. Bart Starr said, if you work harder than somebody else, chances are you'll beat him, though he has more talent than you do. So thanks as always. This was a fantastic call. And I look for, and part of Sean, it's going to help all the veterans that work for Fairway and all Fairway people. So Pistol, are you going to keep playing? Are you going? Uh, I, 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 no, sir. No, would you like to go? Well, if, if you want, I'll have to talk to Joe, sure. Well, I mean, I don't you think we should have Pistol keep playing? I mean, 
the last letter you sent me is going to be the intro. Don't you think you want to hear it in front of everybody? I just got the letter. I was going to ask you for permission, but my gosh. Well, um, uh, I, uh, I don't think I got any other plans that week, but I don't know. It's always <laughs> fun to attend. Who can who can circle pistol and make sure we get it paid for? Um, who's on here? I think Trista, who's in charge of compliance, should take care of that, don't you think? I mean, <laughs> I'm my happy to. I'll connect oh, with, a, um, with Ashley and team. And okay, let's, good. Let's yeah. Get pistol taking yes. care and get down there for the start. Of, for, for as, here's the deal, Pistol. As long as you want to be there, you can be there one day, come back the next. It can be, it's your, you're the quarterback. You decide. Okay. Well, it's easier for me if I come and stay for a few days, Jake. Okay, well, you put Tristan in big ticket, and we're going to get that taken care of. It's not going to cost you a penny, okay, big boy? Well, thank you very much. So <laughs> you, is it okay to use your, the last letter? I just received it. Um, is it okay to read that in, in the intro? It's fine with me, Jake. Okay. All right, well, um, Thanks for, thank you. And Trista, thanks and big ticket for circling pistol yeah. and Sean. I mean, Sean, this call, I mean, I wish we could hit the repeat button. It was that good. Uh, well, thank you for, as, as always, for giving me the platform and the opportunity, like working with this company and, and getting to know the soul of this company and, and the people and the branch managers is, I mean, it's an honor. It's an honor. One of the one of the greatest honors that I've had, even since leading people in the military. This is a special, special company. And oftentimes, when we when we're on good teams, we don't know it in the moment that they're exceptional good teams. You know, you think bad. It's only when you get on a bad team you think, well, damn, that was a I, that was a pretty damn good team I was on there. And then you recognize it. And I just think like been being with you guys since 2012. Like we're standing on the shoulders of giants here. This is a special place to be. And it's just an honor to to be here. Pistol, how old are you today? Since I'm sending this to Fairway All, I don't want I don't want him to speak. Uh, well, I'm 88 now and uh, one third. <laughs> we just have to take the the balloons are so good. We just have to take one of the eights down and put a nine down for next year. Amazing. Just an amazing call. Thank you so much, everyone. One thing I want you to, to, to hear from what Sean talked about is the beginning starts with the plan. So just really encourage everyone, take the time to attend a business planning session, come up with a plan. That is so impactful and so important as we go into the new year. The plan gives you hope. It gives you meaning. It gives you purpose. Your mission is defined and, and it allows you to really Go, go at it at 100% when you know where you're headed. So really encourage, hope you see y'all there. Thank you, Kathy. You did amazing. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you, Pistol. Thank you, Louise. Thank you, Jake, for your support. Uh, we love all you guys. It's going to see you guys at Keep Playing next week. And everyone have a good rest of your Thursday. See you soon.